Hello swimmers and welcome to another episode of Torpedo Swim Talk podcast. I'm your host Danielle Sperling and each week I talk to a master swimmer from around the world about their swimming journey. I welcomed world champion surf life-saving Ironwoman Harriet Brown to the podcast today. Not only is Harriet a gifted swimmer both as a youngster and now as an open water swimmer, She puts that swimming ability together with the board paddle, the surf ski and the beach run to make up the Iron Woman race. Add into that huge waves and you get the picture. She's very successful at it, being a two-time winner of the Nutrigrain Iron Woman series and World Iron Woman champion, as well as a six-time winner of the Lawn Peter Pub. Let's find out how Harriet trains, races, and lives her life around the water. Hi, Harriet. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Danielle. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And congratulations on this week being named in the um, Australian Surf Lifesaving Team for the World Championships next month. That must be so exciting. It is so exciting. It's been a goal of mine. I absolutely love team trips and I think representing your country, um, so representing Australia is one of the greatest honours and to be able to do it in our sport and to head overseas to Italy, um, I'm very, very much looking forward to it. Where's it being held in Italy? What part? Um, I'm probably going to pronounce this incorrectly, but it's uh, Riccioni. Oh, yes, um, so <laughs> in the northwest of Italy. So I've actually never been to Italy before. Um, I've been to Europe a few times, but never to Italy. So I'm really excited. It's uh, always we do the world championships where it's quite flat, um, just so it's an even playing field for countries that don't have much surf. So I think it will be um, flat, hard racing, maybe a little bit of chop here and there. Um, but otherwise it's, it's going to be fit, fairly straightforward um, fitness and speed. That sounds really great. So what, what events will you be representing Australia in? So I'm picked as the pure surf athlete. So for the Australian lifesaving team, it's, it's quite interesting. There are six female athletes and six male athletes picked across the board in lifesaving. So in our team, so in the Australian lifesaving team, there's actually three uh, female and three male are picked for pool rescue, right. so pool rescue specialist. Um, there's a male and female beachy, so they'll do the beach sprint, beach flags, relays, that kind of thing, um, and then and then two surf athletes. And so I'm the surf athlete, so I'll be doing the board, the ski, the eye and the board rescue, um, some relays and um, potentially some other things, but they're the main things that I'll be focusing on. That sounds really exciting, yeah. And how many countries compete? Um, That is a good question. Um, There's a lot. (laughs) I'd like to take a guess. Um, But it's quite surprising. So often when I tell people that we're heading over to the World Championships and I don't know, maybe maybe like 40 or 50 countries, there's quite a a few. Um, Someone listening that knows the answer to that, I might be a little bit off. But it's quite surprising how many countries actually do surf life-saving and some of them will just bring uh, athletes over for the pool rescue that's right. quite popular in Europe yes. um, and then some may bring athletes that might just do some events on the beach um, and so yeah it's actually um, they they do it all around the world which it's, is pretty cool. Yeah. It's good that they have the pool rescue as well so it helps countries that are landlocked to get involved. 
Oh, definitely. And it's actually quite amazing uh, when you go over to Europe and see some of these, the, the European countries get really into pool rescue and some of them are sponsored athletes and they've got their photos on the side of the pool for pool rescue and uh, there are world records and it, it's very much celebrated. And um, and here in, in Australia, to some extent too, it's probably more gr growing than developing here. But um, yeah, it's an interesting sport to watch. I'm not that good at it, so I'll be sticking to the surf <laughs> stuff. Um, but it, it makes for a really uh, unique team environment with everyone who is picked in the team has a certain job to do and and mostly has to be able to excel in multiple disciplines yeah and obviously when you're doing all the surf um, races you've got a lot of big equipment do you take that over with you or do they supply all that when you get there yeah so my board and ski and for those who don't who are listening that don't know too much about surf life saving um, when I race in an Ironwoman there's three well four disciplines so swimming board paddling surf ski paddling which is like kayak with a paddle um, and then running so we send our board and ski over to Europe. So my craft left in July and it probably won't return until January. So oh, wow. it's a, it's a, big, <laughs> it's a pretty big mission to be yeah. able to send craft over to Europe, but yeah. it's important that I'm paddling on my, I, I paddle on dolphin surf craft and it's unique to me. Yes. And so it's important that that gets sent over there. It's usually a little bit quicker, but with that uh, COVID and delays in shipping at the moment, it's taking a little longer. Yeah. So you have a set, obviously, of everything that you can use in Australia that you, you keep here. Yeah, I'm very, very lucky. I have uh, two sets of craft and so I'll have a set here that I use and then a set that I can send overseas and which will return and then um, that will be sent around to interstate when I am racing over summer as well. Yeah. And what's your favourite discipline out of all those? Do you like the, the Iron Woman put all together or do you have an individual leg that you enjoy most? Um, my favourite is definitely the Iron Woman. I love when everything's put together. I just, it's, it's also the pinnacle of our sport. It, it's when everything kind of comes together. It's the hardest race. It's, you have to, to do well at it. it is is really satisfying because you have to be able to train for all different disciplines and kind of put them all together yes. but my the board is definitely my favorite out of all of those it's uh probably the discipline that comes most naturally to me and usually in general people like things that they are exactly. good at <laughs> the other two i have to work pretty hard at and so i really enjoy board paddling i enjoy catching waves i love the feel of the board on the water yeah. and it just feels really comfortable to me yeah yeah it looks like so much fun i'm not a great board paddler but i've had a few dabbles in it but i always find it really hard to go between the knees and the tummy is that is that something you know you you find really natural or do you have a preferred a preferred position that you paddle in um, yeah, that's an interesting question. For me now, after paddling for so many years and doing so many sessions, it is just so easy to go from my tummy to my knees and back again. But it's such a skill. Board paddling is not something, if you see someone on a board for the first time, it's really <laughs> overwhelming and it's hard to um, for them to, to even grasp how they'll be able to, um, you know, improve and, and develop those skills. But for me, it's just something that feels so comfortable. It comes really natural to me now. Well, I shouldn't say it comes natural because my first board race at Nippers, I actually never finished the race and I wasn't a natural on the board because I 
didn't spend that much time in the, in the surf as a young kid. So uh, it's just taken a lot of time to learn. But as you say, when, when you sort of become better at something, you enjoy it more and then you practice it more and it becomes your favourite. Yeah, definitely. It's actually interesting that you say that because because it is my strength now and it comes quite naturally to me. I don't practice it more. <laughs> um, working with my coach Naomi Flood, I mean, I would pr- I would love to do board every single day, um, but working with Buddy, obviously, it's you know to to do a whole Iron Woman well together. Uh, I need to work on my weaknesses, and so I'll do four swims a week, three ski paddle sessions, two iron, three run, two gym, and only get to do one board session a week. <laughs> I was going to ask you that uh, if you um, sort of train them all independently. Yeah, so I do two iron sessions a week. Yeah, and then so there's three ski, which is individual, four swimming in the pool, uh, one board and some running and then and gym as well. So twice a week we put it all together. It's, it's a lot yeah. of training. <laughs> that is a lot of training, isn't it? Yeah, and then obviously do you put dry land training on top of that? Well, gym, so two sessions in the gym. Yeah, yep. and then we will do three runs a week, two on track and one on the curve, which is a, a, a treadmill that um, helps with speed technique and which is low load as well. Yes, yeah, I saw you actually had a little Instagram um, video of yourself doing that. Do, yeah. you, do you think that that helps with the, the sand running as well, using the curved treadmill? Oh, definitely. I, um, yeah. I find it hard. I've always... Uh, been more of an endurance runner so middle distance as a kid cross country and so I find it hard naturally to get my coordinated to have a sprint up the beach or to do well in that and so um, my running coach Robbo so he coaches a lot of the track athletes and beach athletes he has a big track squad here on the Gold Coast also coaches some of the sons now but he kind of identified um, that I needed to improve my sprinting and so I started working with him a few years ago and um I have won a few more sprint finishes since then. That's really good. I, I find that the hardest thing of all, getting out of an open water race and running up the beach. I just, I'm so bad at it. So it's good to hear that you can improve it. <laughs> you can, and it takes practice. So whilst I'll work on my running individually, um, it, I, I think the hardest thing about swimming to run um, is actually you're getting your blood flows in your arms, you're breathing in a certain way. And then when you get up and try and coordinate that with running, it's just that kind of heavy leg, really like puffy feeling. Like when you can't breathe, you're like. (laughs) And so for anyone listening that wants to improve their run at the end, yes, running independently is really helpful, but doing some swim to run, run to swim, swim to run um, will be where you can get a lot of benefit from as well. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I always say, like at the um, the Peter Pub, which we were going to talk about because you're a, a multiple-time winner, the, the changes, the, the length of the, the run changes each time depending on the tide. So you've got to be prepared to do more than a few steps up the beach. Sometimes it's 100 metres at the end of that race. Yeah, and at the end of that race, you don't you don't feel like running. It's no. <laughs> it's a it's a swim race, and you just have to be ready for anything. And I think that's what's the 
the most exciting thing about surf and racing in the ocean is that it's different every time and you never know what you're going to get. And yeah. I think one of the best feelings at the Peter pub is when it's it's nice weather and you get to catch a big wave in and you get that rest on the wave and um, and hopefully not have to do a sprint finish up the beach. But I see so many swimmers who, I mean, running is not their priority, but who probably don't do any running and are beaten up the beach. Yes. And I just think, oh, if you just did a little bit more running, it would be very helpful <laughs> for you. That's really good advice. And I need to take that myself because I've, I've often been beaten up the beach on the run. <laughs> it's really hard. Tell us um, how you first, you mentioned nippers. Where did you start your nippers career? Um, it wasn't much of a career early on, <laughs> um, but I did start nippers at Ocean Grove Surf right. Life Saving Club um, yes. when I was about nine years old. And so I was, a, as far as the age of nippers go, I was a little bit late. Um, a lot of them start a lot younger than that. And in my first couple of years, I kind of just um, turned up to states, didn't really do much training, was okay in the pool. Uh, sorry, okay in the swim race, but not so good in the board. And so I was more of a pool swimmer growing up. And then I kind of fell in love with nippers and surf life saving, not not necessarily for the racing, but I made some really good friends at Ocean Grove and I surf club. And I think that really helps. I just loved going down to the carnivals and hanging out with my friends. And I used to really look forward to going to training um, just to be able to see those girls. And we all got along really well. I'm still really good friends with them now. And so that was probably the, the, the biggest draw card at the beginning. And then from there, I started really enjoying this learning how to catch waves and pop over the wave with my board and catch waves when I was swimming and it's that slowly I um, kind of diverted away from pool swimming where I was doing a lot of competition and a lot of training and uh, found the surf a lot more interesting and fun so I started to progress um, and put my energy towards surf life saving a little bit more. What age were you when you fully went across to surf? Um, well, it probably only 18 when I left school. Right. So I, um, up until year 12, I did five different sports. So I did surf life saving, bit of swimming still through school, um, water polo, hockey and athletics. And I just loved sport. Um, it was, surf life saving was probably my favorite from the age of around 13, 14, um, but even so, I didn't put all my eggs in one basket. Mum and Dad were really supportive of doing lots of different sports. And um, I'm, I mean, looking back now, maybe I could have competed a little bit better at an earlier age had I specialised. But I think that's also part of the reason why I'm still in the sport at age 32 um, and still racing at a really competitive level because I just love it. And I didn't go so, too hard too soon into the sport. And um to answer your question, it wasn't until I finished school at 18, I decided to move up to the Gold Coast to study and try a little bit more focus on, try and put a little bit more focus on surf lifesaving. I thought if I move to Melbourne, I'm an hour and a half away from the beach, um, which is where a lot of my friends were going to university and where my sister went. And I thought that's a little bit too far. If I move up to the Gold Coast and go to Bond, it's 15 minutes from the beach. I can train and study and it will be warmer. And I thought, I'll just give it a go. Um, 
try and make the Iron Woman series and then I will get a real job and move back home and, um, <laughs> you know, have a have a proper proper job, so to proper speak. Job. But <laughs> I, yeah, I, <laughs> now I just, um, yeah, I feel so fortunate to have been able to keep competing for such a long time and um, I really started progressing when I moved up here. It took a long time to eventually win races, but I just, I just love it. So that's probably when I started focusing on surf a little bit more. Yes. Well, that that's, um, leads me into my next question. I mean, you're very well known in Australia for being a winner of the Nutri-Grain Iron Woman series. Can you, for those people who are listening overseas, we have a lot of overseas listeners, can you explain what the Nutri-Grain series is all about and how you get chosen for it? Because it's only a select few that get to go in the series. Yeah, so in Australia, a lot of junior startups in nippers so that's where what i was talking about before where you start to learn surf safety skills and and you can if you choose to compete in some swimming board paddling running um and a few other events and then as you progress you start racing at states and nationals and the pinnacle for our sport in australia um, and overseas as well we have quite a few internationals come over to australia to try and make it into the new to and iron woman series a few have in the past which is pretty cool um, but generally it's made up of australians um, and a few new zealanders as well and yes. so what it is is the series is um, a series of Iron Woman races and Iron Man races um, across um, generally three different week weekends, six rounds. All the rounds are quite different. We have to be prepared for anything. And those six rounds are all, all around Australia, um, predominantly the East Coast, because that's where most of the best athletes are based. And so this year, I think we're racing in Queensland and New South Wales. Um, and so 20 of the best female and male surf, fine women, athletes or, and men will travel around and compete and it's on TV. And, yeah, it's awesome. I absolutely love it. Often they try and choose beaches that have big surf so that it's a big spectacle for anyone watching and a lot of young kids come down to watch and cheer us on and um, it's really it's really hard, hard work, <laughs> it looks hard. but um, it's super, super satisfying. Um, they're every, uh, so to win the overall series is the uh, overall accumulative point score throughout those six rounds. Yes. And, and you said that each of the series or each of the events have a slightly different way of um, formatting the Iron Woman. Do you know before you get to the beach what's going to happen or do they just announce it when you get there? We do. We do know. So you it's all planned. Yes. It's announced beforehand and okay. you, you look forward to some and you dread others. There's, there's one that's called <laughs> the specialist round and it has a, so we do a swim race, a board race, a ski race and a 1K soft sand race. And then they add up your point came and then you at the end of that. And I dread that every year because the soft sand run just hurts so much. <laughs> And it, there's some that are really good runners, but I think regardless of whether you're a good runner or not, it just it, it's really tough, that one. Yeah, that would be tough, absolutely. And is it qualifying events that people um, go in before they get chosen or is it just across your, your whole surf life-saving season? Yes, so you have to qualify to be able, you have to qualify to be able to make it into the Nutrien series. And at the moment, the qualification process is the top 10 from last year. 
make it through. So everyone's trying to buy for that like top 10 spot. And then there are a couple of wild cards that can potentially be given out. And then there's a next generation event as well. So a young athlete under 19 that races throughout the season and, and races really well gets a qualification into the Iron Woman and Men series, which is really exciting. That makes the juniors uh, junior competition really tough throughout summer, and then the rest are through a trial. So the trials held about a month before the series kicks off, and that's always. Um, luckily, I haven't been had to do the trial for the last few years, but I remember when I was younger, and oh, I would just be so nervous for the trial because it's so cutthroat. You either make it or you don't, and it it's just what everyone wants to be in and it's it's so nerve-wracking you mentioned before the type of training that you do in your training week um the the sessions that you have on so you you mentioned that you do four pool sessions across the other sessions do you have a, a separate coach for all of those or are you working with uh, you mentioned naomi flood so does she oversee all of your training um, yeah, so she, Naomi Flood's my main coach. So she is at Northcliffe Surf Club. Um, she used to race in, this, in the Iron Woman series. I actually used to race against her. And then she moved away from surf life-saving and went to the Olympics for kayaking. So she's got a wealth of knowledge and she's a tough coach. And she um, kind of oversees everything um, in the way that it works together. But we also have a separate pool coach. So I swim at Bond University and we swim in a pure surf squad there. Um, but there's also the elite pool squad as well. Um, we've got um, Mooney and Kyle as our coaches and there's quite a few good swimmers there as well. And then I've also, I also have a strength and conditioning coach, um, Wade, at Momentum. And then I mentioned Robbo, the run coach as well. So a few different coaches. Um, a lot of the time I kind of manage uh, it myself, as in if... Um, you know, if it's been a hard week and I'm really tired, I'll chat to Floody and be like, I might pull back on this one a little bit. Um, but they're, they're, all the coaches are pretty good at working together as well. That's that's really good. And I, I know you studied exercise physiology at university. So you, you obviously, you know, you have that background. And are you working in that as well as uh, alongside your surf life-saving career? Yeah, it's been a great profession to be able to work part-time in, which has been awesome. Um, when I first graduated, I was working pretty much full-time for a few years, um, just when I was an up-and-coming athlete and, um, you know, f- f- hadn't w- won any races, so I didn't have that um, financial sponsor support. So now um, I am no longer working full-time as an ex but I work for myself and I have a few clients that I see and I also do – so I do a bit of a mix of things um, – and it kind of intertwines my profession in into that. And I also, so I have some ex-phys clients, which is strength and conditioning. And then I work as a, I do sweat testing for Coda Nutrition. So I test athletes' sweat and help them, um, which gives you your sodium concentration in your sweat and your sweat rate, um, mostly for endurance athletes to help them um, figure out a nutrition and hydration strategy for endurance events like um, triathlon and distance ocean, ocean swimming and things like that. And then more recently, I've started um, becoming really interested in female athlete health. So understanding our menstrual cycle and what a healthy menstrual cycle is and how that can influence and impact our training and how we can 
learn to understand our menstrual cycle better. So with that, I have been speaking at schools and sporting clubs, um, mostly to young athletes who don't know much about this stuff and they really should and to really start to spark that conversation and 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 mostly for them to understand what a healthy menstrual cycle is because that one is it, it's just so important and for so many years in my sport especially um that's really really high load we train so much it was pretty normal for athletes to lose their period uh, and say oh i must be so fit right now I don't have a period <laughs> and it's um, I, I shouldn't laugh because it's actually so detrimental um, to our health, both both as athletes and as um, as just females in, in general. So um, that's another thing that I'm doing kind of with my ex career. And then I also coach um, a club in Victoria called Mornington Life Saving oh, Club. Okay. Yeah, so I've coached them for the last five years and I do their online programming and have chats with them via Zoom and mentoring and go down and see them sometimes. So, yeah, it's been nice to intertwine that within, um, so being able to work and also train at the same time and do a little bit of a mix. But back to kind of what you asked before, um, I think sometimes it's really helpful with the knowledge that I have around knowing what's going on in my body and knowing what works recovery wise, nutrition wise, strength and conditioning and how to kind of um, decide whether it's too much or I need a rest and and those kind of things. But sometimes I also think the knowledge, I think too much (laughs) as well. So I'm working on that. I might like, I, I monitor my sleep. I monitor everything and I might wake up and I've had a poor sleep. And then I think, Oh, I've got a race today. Like that's not that, good and so I try not to look at all the data too often and go a little bit more by by a feel because I think at the end of the day you can kind of try and control everything that you can control try and have the best training sessions the best lead into a race but I think when it comes down to race day it's just who wants it the most and who's willing to push their body to the limit and that can your mind can overtake science any day yes yeah I I agree now, I wanted to have a bit of a chat about the Peter Pub Swim, which you've been a six-time winner of, and um, you're very well known in Victoria for for being, you know, one of the prime athletes in doing that. Give us a few of your tips about how to swim that race, because there is obviously different surf conditions that you have to take into account, and the tide, and a little bit of a strange course. I always think it's funny that they have the boys along the shoreline yet the the start is out a lot wider. Tell us how you swim that race. Yeah, I love the Peter Pub. It's one of my favourite events of the year. I love coming home, um, going down to lawn. Um, so many of my friends are family head down to lawn for that day, whether they're racing or just hanging out to the event and is that when you finish it no two races are the same and everyone has a different story to tell of I was sitting on someone's feet and then I fell off and then I caught a wave and I didn't know where I was and there's always so many different stories but my tips are um and I guess the way that I swim the race is very tactical so I'm trying to win the females and it's been great over the last few years we race with the boys Um, I did hear they were going to change it, which I'm really disappointed about. So I hope they don't change that because it's the one of the only the few times where the girls get to race the boys. And I love that. I love beating some of them, beating some of my friends. I'm pretty competitive. 
But for me, my tactics are to find a male swimmer who's potentially just a little bit quicker than me. I'll start next to him. I'll try and jump on his feet and I will try and trust and find a swimmer that has good direction, (laughs) not one that's going to go zigzaggy and try and hang on their feet for as long as I can. Um, And then if I lose them, I try and jump on the next swimmer's feet because when you're on someone's feet and you're using the bubbles, it, it, it helps to lift you up and it also creates a bit of a, a draft, so like a, a drag. When you're in someone's wash, it's a lot easier to swim than when you are leading on your own. So my tactics are very much all about wash riding. I want to do as least amount of work possible that I have to do um, so that I can conserving energy and going as fast as I can. So that's definitely my my top tip that's probably aimed at someone who's a little bit more of a competitive swimmer for someone who wants to go out there and enjoy their swim I think that the one of the the things that most people say is the hardest part about ocean swimming is that everyone's all over the place and there's people and arms and legs going everywhere so trying to find your own space is a really good option Um, and then if someone does come across in front of you or hits you don't panic, don't look up, don't get annoyed and say, oh, well, my race is terrible because so-and-so hit me. That's when you have to refocus and you can quickly look up, see where the boy is, see where you're going in the right direction and put your head down and go because that's what ocean swimming is all about. It's so unpredictable. So many things will probably happen to you and it's about keeping your cool, remaining focused and then continuing on from that. But what I try and do is only look up occasionally. You don't want to spend the whole time double checking where you're going. So have a few little check looks up and then put your head down and do some really good swimming. Um, Leading into the event, I think doing most of your training in the pool is a good option because that's where you can do some really controlled sets, see what your fitness is at, and it's probably a little bit warmer and more more enjoyable. Um, But do try and make it to the ocean so that you are comfortable at not looking at a black line um, in the Peter Pub. It's um, pretty deep out there. You can't really see anything on the bottom, so there's no reference point. So it's just nice to be comfortable swimming in, in the ocean. If there's if you can go out on different days where somewhere there's a bit of chop, somewhere it's glassy, then you'll just feel a lot more comfortable when you turn up and you'll be ready for whatever the ocean has to offer. And do you make your move sort of in the wave section? Um, yeah, so as soon, well, I'm just trying to hang in there as long as I can on the back of the boys. Generally, I'll be on the back of someone who is a lot quicker than me. Um, so there's not really that opportunity to go out to the side and swim, swim around him. Um, most of the time, I'm just hanging in there. I'm going way quicker than I would you know, usually be going by myself. Um, but I, I do pride myself on my body surfing skills. Um, probably more so compared to the pool swimmers. And so when we get into the wave zone, I make sure that I do pull out to the side so I'm not landing on top of anyone um, and I try and pull out to the side. I'll, uh, before the race, I will sit up on the hill in the wave zone area and just watch the surf. So I'll be able to see where the waves are breaking more. Um, often it's closer to the kind of rocks area um, that that's where the waves are breaking more. So often around that last boy, I'll head left a little bit um, and to try and get on a wave that's potentially a little bit stronger, but it's been different every year. So I'll just make sure that I watch, see what's going on and put myself in the best possible position to catch a wave in. Well, let's hope that this year it's actually um, run in person. I mean, the last two years have been virtual 
swims. But fingers crossed it's going to be on. Yeah, um, I hope so. I would love to be able to come down. It, it's Sometimes it's a little bit tricky because we have such a full-on Iron Woman series season and it's hard to, to align the dates. But um, I'd love to be able to come down. It's it's the only race I do each year that I swim with my sister. Okay. Um, she swims in Geelong and, and she's always in the Superfish as well. So it's it's really cool that we get to share that together. So hopefully... I'll be able yes, to come down. That sounds really good. Look, everyone that comes on the podcast, I do a deep dive five, just five quick questions, something, a little bit of a snapshot about your swimming. So here we go. Favourite beach that you swim at? I, I would actually, I'm just thinking out aloud. I just came back from France. I swam at a beach at Biritz and when we swam around, there were all these little rock pools and alcoves and it was just beautiful with the old buildings up on the hill and it was a really clear, beautiful, sunny day. And I remember just swimming around and thinking, this is amazing. And there's no sharks in France. So we were swimming out deep to some of the islands and I just thought, how lucky am I um, being able to use one of my skills to just really enjoy myself. I don't know if it's my all-time favourite, but that is a recent memory and I would just remember just thinking this is just incredible. So, yeah, Biritz in France. Nice. Okay, I have to check that one out. And what um, what's your favourite wetsuit brand that you use for open water races? Um, I use a two-times U wetsuit and yep. it is great i love the feel great <laughs> no it's just it's like that is not a way to describe it but i just love the feel of when i put a swimming wetsuit on and you just glide through the water and it gives me buoyancy and i'd love to be able to race the iron woman series in a wetsuit but um <laughs> clearly it would be not very comfortable board paddling or ski paddling um no. but yeah, so two two times you oh nice and what's your favorite surf life-saving memory Two favourite surf life-saving memories. Um, it's always hard to pick your favourite of anything. It is. I'm not I'm very not decisive. It's <laughs> definitely, decisions are definitely um, not my strong point. But um, one of my favourite memories is the World Championships in the Netherlands. Um, before that race, I had broken my jaw and so I had it wired shut for six weeks where I couldn't train because I couldn't breathe properly I couldn't eat so I lost a lot of weight I was eating through a straw or drinking I should say all my smoothies everything blended um I couldn't work because as an ex-phys I need to be able to talk to be able to work and I also uh, couldn't talk so it was a really isolating time for me and it was really quite quite frustrating and when I went to go back into training I was very far behind I'd lost a lot of weight I had lost a lot of fitness and I remember thinking like will I ever get back there um and it was a pretty pretty tough time but the lead into the world championships I just trained and progressed and slowly got better and trained probably the hardest that I've ever trained and I ended up going over to the Netherlands and winning the world Iron Woman series uh sorry the world Iron Woman title and that uh, was my first big win before then I'd you know come second come third but hadn't quite got there and I just remember being so so satisfied after that race and I was just I guess yeah really really proud of myself for for being able to push through that time where I potentially would have given away the sport so that's um thank you yeah that's um one of my favorite memories and then another one um that I'd have to say was my um nana came up to Aussies 
uh, a few years ago to so the Australian Championships. It was on the Gold Coast down at Coolangatta, down at Kira. And um, it's such a long walk on the sand to get down to the beach. And so each morning, um, it was a little bit naughty, you're not supposed to do this, but the officials would pick her up, drive her down and plonk her down at the start line. Um, no other spectators came in there, but my nana would sit there with a big umbrella and then all of us when we're marshalling would just sit underneath her and it was a really, really special time. And I remember her even saying, like, don't swim too far out. She wasn't much of an athlete and she got worried when we'd go out the back. And I was like, Nana, we have to go that far out. That's where the race is. Um, yeah, it was it was really special, but more so because a couple of months later, she actually um, passed away in a car accident. So it's just one of my favourite memories for her to, to be able to be there to enjoy that. And it's, uh, yeah, really special time. That's a lovely race memory. I love that. It's beautiful. And what's your favourite freestyle training drill that you do in the pool? Oh, favourite freestyle training drill. That's a good question. I I like like I like fingertip drag, but when you put your whole hand in the water, and so it's kind of like a big resistance training. I feel like that really helps me switch on all my muscles. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one, definitely. And what about your favourite freestyle training set? If I had to pick, I dislike short rest. I would probably like something that's like quality. So we sometimes do a 100 set where it's on the 140, 150, two minutes, and it will be, say, 30 beats below max, 20 beats below max, 10 beats below max, and then potentially a max one in there. So it's really quality um, with a fair bit of rest. I was just going to say my least favourite set, um, which I probably wouldn't be able to do right now. We once did 4100s on the 115 in short course, and that knocked me about, and that was probably the the least favourite set I've ever done. Yes. (laughs) How much rest were you getting? On the 115, yeah. a couple of seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's much. A, those ones are hard, definitely hard. <laughs> that's well, interesting. Harry- I've never been asked my favourite swim set before. <laughs> <laughs> a, a lot of people that listen really love to hear those kind of things, like to see the differences. And you'd be surprised at some of the, the answers that I've had over the time, just like really different things that I would never have thought of doing. So it's always good to get yeah, okay. different athletes' perspective. Yeah, another set that I do enjoy is where we do a 150 moderate and then a 50 max. Yes, Yep. And we do that quite a few times and that that I enjoy. I like the quality where you can put a really good effort in and then do some slower swimming in between. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think those ones are good. Do you, do you train uh, um, the other form strokes at all or is that just for uh, easy recovery? We do in the warm-up and recovery, but in our main set it will only be freestyle. Um, occasionally we might have a little bit of pull in the main set or kick, but it will all be always be freestyle based. Yeah. And just as a little side point, do you ever practice your sighting in the pool or is that all done in the ocean? That's all done in the ocean. It's yeah. quite interesting with surf ice setting. We, we do swimming training in the pool. We do a little bit of polo. So we we'll work on our polo speed um, yes. just to be able to do those short, sharp strokes um, with our head up for strength, but it's not really sighting. We don't do a few strokes down, a quick look up. Um, anything like that 
we are just really trying to focus on um, building fitness, building speed. And then in the ocean is when wheels start to look up. Because if you start doing that too much in the pool, you naturally just want to look up all the time. And so we're really trying to focus on getting our head. It's kind of interesting in surf pool sessions and we never do a specific swim session in the ocean. So the only time we'll swim, we will swim in the ocean will be in the Iron Woman sessions. Right. Yeah. And it's just how it's always been. I think it does help because there's no way to there's nowhere to hide in the in the pool, so that's where we get most of our fitness from. Um, but yeah, we do all our surf skills session in the irons for the catching waves, diving under, holding your breath, um, you know, going around a can, all of those skills in the iron session. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, thank you, Harriet, very much for coming on the podcast. It's been really lovely chatting with you and hearing about your swimming background or surf life swimming background and wishing you every success for the World Championships coming up next month. Thank you so much, Danielle. Yeah, thanks. And um, catch you on the beach soon. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, I hope you enjoyed the chat with Harriet today. You can follow Harriet on Instagram with the handle at Harriet Brown or check out her website where she has lots of cool information about her journey at www.harrietbrown.com.au. And while you're over on Instagram, why don't you give Torpedo Swim Talk a follow as well and help us get to a thousand followers. Till next time, happy swimming and bye for now.